In my experience, conversations are best had with a glass of whiskey. Join me, Alan Kogan, as I engage in meaningful discussions while enjoying a glass of my favorite spirit. Welcome to the Kogan Conversation. All right, so I am really excited to have these two on. Again, Grant, of course, Grant Brown is my producer on the podcast. He's helped me do a lot of stuff with this, uh, this show and just have a fun time doing it. Um, and Samuel Casper, who was just recently on, we just talked about all the transgressions of life and how to get through it in the, <laughs> the most the most sane way. <laughs> um, and maybe just some introspection, which I, I really appreciated the conversation. But uh, Grant, I've known you since high school. We've we've been uh, we've been pretty close. I've watched you grow over the years in your creative uh, realm. I, I, it's, it's been fun to watch you make all these different things, whether it be from a, a dumb little high school project all the way up through now, uh, your, your first official feature length film, uh, which is called Scotch Tension. And it's, uh, I'll, I'll let you tell everyone where, where it's going to be, uh, found to, to view it and stream it and all that stuff. But I do want to just say, first of all, congratulations on this. I know it's a, it's a long time coming. I know you've put a lot of work into this. I know I was it a year and a half ago or so that I went and saw a, a very rough draft screening that you guys were just looking for some Q and a on and, and, and making sure that we had some, some kind of semblance or idea of where, where your editing process was, was going to go. Um, and I want to flesh out all of that, that, uh, you know, that process, the creative mind that you guys went through and, and also Sam, I know we, we, met in, we met in college and, and you and Grant were in film school together and uh, your film friends all at the, the Riverview uh, complex at, at UW-Milwaukee. Um, it, it's been fun to you know, just get to know you and watch you guys you know, create and work together and, and, and all this awesome stuff. So uh, I'm going to pitch it over to you. Give, give a quick little synopsis of, of this movie, Scotch Tension. Uh, where can people find it? What's it about? Give a little two-minute pitch. And then after that, I think we should kind of wind down, relax, and share a whiskey and just talk about the process of, of making this movie. So take it away. That sounds great. Um, so yeah, it's called Scotch Tension. Um, it's just like a small town romance like at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. Um, we shot it here in Wisconsin, um, more specifically in Ripon, which is Sam's hometown. Mm-hmm. The most of it we shot around in different areas, Wisconsin, some in Milwaukee, some in like Beaver Dam and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's about, um, this girl and this boy. One is named M. She has a spinning wheel that she makes clothing with it's like takes place in present day so it's kind of like this sort of artisan sort of thing and then one day she's living in this small town and she sees this stranger come in helping people out and his name is noah and she wants to know what his deal is and and the fates bring them together um and then proceed to toss things asunder as uh, sam likes to say the entropy of things um but yeah, no, it takes place over the course of multiple years. So it kind of has like a scope that's a little bit bigger than what you might be used to. And um, the movie itself is actually probably pretty different from when you saw it a year and a half ago. We've cut a significant amount out of it mm-hmm. um, and now plays like a normal everyday theatrical feature film. And we're very excited to share it. It's playing at the Milwaukee Film Festival, which is now virtual this year. Um, by the time this episode airs, it will be already streaming starting the 15th of October through the 29th through Milwaukee Films website. Um, you can buy a ticket and stream it virtually. It's basically like renting any movie uh, digitally. Uh, you just have like 48 hours to watch it. And yeah, excited yeah. for people to see it. Very cool. I'm very excited. Cause when I saw it, the is rough draft the correct term? I don't want to. Uh, uh, we call it a um, work in progress screening. It's like a work print 
almost. Yeah, when I when I saw that that uh, version of of that, obviously I had gone in. Number one, I, I went in biased because I'm I'm your friend, so I'm I, I think it's going to be great to begin with. But I was really blown away at how masterful and it's like man, I mean, not it's, you can tell that there were, there was heart and soul poured into this film. So I'm really excited to see where you've gone and and, and edited and and made it more streamlined because it was it was a long somewhat slow but really beautiful picture so i'm really excited to see where you've come and what what the final uh product is um but so what what i know grant you're the you wrote on this and directed i know you're you're both directors on this right yeah. so what, what what was your each of your roles in in the movie and and uh why was that your role i guess was it just because you decided to flip the coin or what uh tell this one to sam uh I, I don't know it was it was a collaboration um i mean grant granted most of the writing uh we would meet once a week for a whole year grant would type up stuff we would meet he worked he would work a night shift i worked at you know yeah, day third, shift third shift so we'd meet <laughs> We'd either meet uh, before it was either opposite. So we would meet at a place where they serve both coffee and liquor. So one of us would be starting our day and one of us would be. Yeah, he know. would get he would get a coffee and I would get a beer. <laughs> and the Colectivo on Lake Drive in Milwaukee was the one place you could get a beer at 7 a.m. in Milwaukee. So I'd be off of a third shift and I'd have I'd have I was supposed to have written 10 pages a week. Nine of those pages I had written that night to get it done. <laughs> I'd be like, all right, here, read these terrible script pages while I eat like a <laughs> sandwich and drink a beer and you drink coffee. And yeah, and that was every week. And that was um, exactly four years ago. We started doing that once a week and it just kind of went from there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we both came up with the story, I guess, um, but we knew going in, we both wanted to direct it and we put all of our, you know, produce it together and um I mean, we met in film school freshman year and we've just we've made a, a projects here and there together and helped yep. each other out on, on projects and stuff. So um, but tackling the feature film was the uh, the ultimate goal. And uh, here we are four years later and we, we've done it. <laughs> so <laughs> wrestled it together. Yeah. yeah, well, that's that that's awesome. Not not for lack of trying. You guys did a, a put a lot of heart and soul into this. So I'm excited to see it. But let's let's roll it back. Let's get let's get let's get into my realm, and let's uh, let's let's sit down, have a glass of whiskey, okay. and talk about the process of making a feature film. Okay. Because I think this is a process that people don't understand how much actually goes into doing this. I think the the misconception nowadays is the iPhone 11 and the Samsung Galaxy S 2007 or wherever whatever number they're at, uh, you can just record a a 4K you know, 90 minute feature and, and edit on windows movie maker. And you know, it's, there's more to it than that. Um, yeah, hopefully. Um, I mean, <laughs> yeah, if you want to put, put some effort into it, I mean, there's people out there who are going to go out with that and try and make something. I mean, and I've seen some really interesting stuff shot on an iPhone, you know? Um, yep. but I guess that's the interesting thing about the filmmaking process is you can, especially now is you can, do a whole lot of things but i mean at the end at the start of the day it starts with a story so that's like your ground one like what are you doing what what story are you trying to tell who are your characters and that's that's what our first meetings were about it was like what do we want to make right now what do we not see in the world and um 
we said, ah, a romance. Let's let's do a romance. That sounds like we were just on common ground or just old romantic souls. And we were like, all right, let's do a guy and a girl. Uh, we'll set it in this small town. We know we have a lot of access to. Um, and the story kind of rolled out from there. Um, and the specifics, I don't know. They just they kind of come from talking about the characters and where you want to take the story. And it's it, a constantly shifting thing, too. Like we were rewriting this thing at multiple stages in the process. Mm -hmm. So it just keeps evolving. Including but, while we were shooting it. Including yeah. while we were shooting, which is not ideal. Like we could make a whole separate podcast called How Not to Make a Movie. And we, we <laughs> bring a lot of lessons to that too. Um, <laughs> but you really, you start with the script. So you start with writing the story, writing the dialogue. Mm -hmm. well, who are your characters? What spot are they in? What's the setting? And, and what are the series of scenes that lead up to beginning, middle and end? Um, and that whole process, writing the first draft of the script, took from October to February uh, 2016 to 2017. So yeah. four or five months altogether, getting a first draft out. And that draft was, I mean, if you look at the final film and go back and read the first draft, they're two completely different movies. But the heart of the the story is still there. It's You, you have these two characters and their, their time together and apart. And coming back together. So, yeah, awesome. that's the first thing. Well, well, I'm going to make. Uh, I'm sure you've expected this, and I know this is why you've chosen the whiskey that you <laughs> decided to pour. Essentially, uh, it is called Scotch Tension, yes. even though the, the the title of the movie and the movie itself has no connection to Scotch at all. Um, first of all, let's define Scotch Tension, and then let's define what whiskey Scotch whiskey is that we're drinking. Okay. Um, <laughs> So Scotch Tension is um, the main, like, what you, I guess you call, like, a hero prop of the movie. So, like, I'm trying to think of a good example. Like, your hero prop in Star Wars is Luke's lightsaber. Like, it's, like, kind of the thing that we're going to mm -hmm. base our story around. I'm Not that Star Wars is based around Luke's lightsaber, but it's, like, your main thing. And so the, the main, like, thing that our main character uses is that old-timey, like, spinning wheel that she spins yarn with. It's very like storybook kind of Rumpelstiltskin sort of thing. But we wanted to take that kind of old timey fairy tale mm -hmm. thing and put it in a modern setting. So a scotch tension is just a type of spinning wheel. It's actually like a type of like tension mechanism on the, yeah. on the, the spindle. Yeah. Gotcha. But the, the spinning wheel was kind of used as this kind of metaphorical thing we wanted to say about relationships and love and romance and all that stuff that we were trying to say with it so it's it's like it's your main thing that the character uses and drives the story but it's also this like main metaphor for everything that's going on with the characters yeah so, yeah awesome um and then the scotch that we are drinking well we are drinking scotch first off the whiskey on the podcast yeah. um this is one i picked up for we finished the film about four weeks ago now i want to say Put mm. the finishing touches on and sent it out for the final screening um, for the festival. But um, uh, well, how do I pronounce this again? You said it before. Yeah, so that's the uh, Lefroy. Lefroy. Okay, so Lefroy ten ten year. Yep. It was a very lonely bottle on the shelf, and I was like, "Yeah, I like the look of that. It's kind of dusty. It reminds me of kind of what we were going for with the film." And I, I brought it home and kept it safe for when. 
we had the final export set and I brought it out and I'm like, Sam, let's let's share a glass of scotch for finishing up scotch tension. So it's uh it's an Islay. It's very peaty, very it tastes like drinking a cigar. And actually <laughs> I kinda love that actually, that the initial taste is really off putting, but the aftertaste is like wonderful. I, I really, really enjoy it actually. Yeah, so it's uh Lafroig tenure is obviously it's aged for ten years. Um if that wasn't known by Scotch people now, but uh, uh, it, it's it's smoky. It's known for its uh, phenol oil and, and and sweet vanilla and peaty flavor notes. So it's it's very very spicy, but also peaty. It's not it, Lafroig Ten isn't known for its sweetness. It's more sweetness. It's more it's more known for its uh, real earthy notes when it comes to it. Really brings out that cigar cigarette type flavors in the in the. Uh, the smoke, but I love the Freud 10. It's a very simple benchmark scotch that doesn't cost you an arm and a leg, but it, it isn't, it isn't cheap either, but it's a, uh, it's a great scotch. So it's a, it's a great bottle for you guys to open up and, and celebrate this, this monumental achievement. So congrats. I, I also opened up a new bottle and I'm also having scotch. I have my, uh, my Ardbeg Anoa and Ardbeg Anoa is it's known to be a cross between their original uh, Ardbeg 10, their uh, their 10 year, their Ardbeg Ugadal, and uh, the Ardbeg or Corvecan, which is all their just different variations and different sweetnesses and whatnot around their their peaty uh, flavor profile that they're known for. Ardbeg is just known for the peat, and it's uh, it's got this more of a a sweeter, rounder edge than the, the frog you have. Obviously, the the smokiness and the, the peatiness is the same, uh, but this one has a little bit more of a, a tobacco heavy, uh, caramel heavy flavor. It sticks to your mouth a little bit more. Uh, and actually, the the box actually just says it in in the most simple of terms. It says smoky, sweet, and singularly rounded. And the the idea is that obviously a whiskey kind of have a, a very harsh taste whether it be super peaty or salty or super super sweet and sticky like a bourbon when you have those two uh things meshed together with a little bit of a pepper you have that rounded flavor profile so it tastes like you know it just tastes like a, a good sipping uh i guess liquid rather than ac- alcohol that you would think that oh this has a burn to it um but it's really unique, and I, I'm a big Ardbeg fan, so I, uh, I cracked it open for you guys because I knew this was going to be a great podcast. I'm excited to talk to you about this. I'm excited to see the movie. Um, so I, I mean, I mean, maybe we'll just next podcast we'll just stream the movie. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, we can do a, we can do a commentary track, like a live commentary. Oh, that'd track. be cool. That'd be cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just I was happy to hear earlier when you said, "Oh yeah, that's like a great benchmark, like mid tier scotch." Because I was like, I don't buy good stuff ever. You know me. I buy pretty crappy bourbon most of the time and that's what i enjoy so now i have like right. a decent bottle of scotch sitting on my shelf which is the top yep. of my refrigerator so yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's fair um so i guess for someone who doesn't know how this process is i know you, you, you the first step is to, to to get together and figure out what you want to do and then write mm-hmm. at least if not a, a full script at least a, an outline of a script of where you want this to go uh, describe for me the creative process and, and what, why a romantic uh, theme, why uh, set in this uh, time, I guess it, it's, it's modern day, it's right? Modern so day, why, yeah. why, why modern day and, and what, what is the intricacies of getting started in uh, making a feature length film? 
Um, <clears throat> Sam, you take this one. <laughs> <laughs> give, give all the hard ones to Sam. Um, I think some of the why we we wanted to make a movie that was there's a lot of focus on representing underrepresented voices at the moment but it's been pushed so far that simple stories no longer seem to exist um so some of the some of our, our motivation was just let's make something uh, simple and subtle and nuanced and something that you'd be surprised to see come out of two to uh young white boys yeah um <laughs> how much has that changed though over the course of uh, writing this because you guys started four years ago and now true. you're releasing it in 2020 when the landscape of not only movies but just life has changed how much have you guys changed i know i've changed in five years um four years <laughs> I think I think that initial intention still rings true. Sure. It's like yeah. it was that and it was just to make something that it was like aching, I guess. I don't know. Just something uh -huh. that that, like you said, it kind of was infused with that just like aching, like tension, not to use the, the title, but yeah, that like romantic. I don't know. Yeah. Sim keeping it simple and, and playing to like archetype we really like to do we like to play to like old stories it was, it's there's the fairy tale aspect to it where we can take something like that and we can kind of like mm -hmm. bring it into our era and, and do it in a way that's not bogged down with a bunch of noise like cultural nonsense and just like okay here's these two people and this is them struggling day to day and and trying to make things work and just trying to like work with their hands and and make a living and and connect with other people, and I think that's only ringing more true, especially now. Just like people struggling to to connect with each other. So, yeah, that's that's the genesis of it, and I think we maybe captured it. Hopefully, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we were both just personally, we were both. Uh at very transitional phases in our lives when yeah. we, when we initiated this. And at some point, I think one of us said, you know, by the end of this, we're going to find our, find our soulmates and the process of making this will make that happen, you know? Uh, <laughs> and here I am married now. So, yeah. And, and, yeah. uh, so, you know, Grant as well. Yeah. Is, uh, yeah. Well, I'm not married, but I've been with my girlfriend for, <laughs> A little over three years now. We we got together just before we started shooting the movie, and uh, yeah, yeah, here we are now. I don't know. Well, yeah, I, that's that's awesome. That's I I didn't even think about that. I've known you guys all this time, and I didn't even put in the perspective. It's like, oh yeah, you guys were single when this started. Or maybe I don't know. It's it's when like, we started writing it. Yeah, we were both fresh out of college, just like yeah, lonely dudes pining for romance in our lives and we were like all right well let's just do it let's just make it let's put it on screen let's put every every feeling we're feeling and with the true romantic poet in us and just just paint it out and we did that's the broadest brush strokes and that's why we had so much stuff that we had to cut down into a manageable movie like this right. the, the first draft itself is like 
ridiculously long. Like, it was a mess. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. a gigantic mess. It's it's still kind of a gigantic <laughs> mess, but I mean, less so now, I would, I would hope. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So how do two uh, super low budget working multiple jobs and jobs that have changed over the last four years, single guys out of college, make a feature length film? How do you find the time, the energy, and what is there? Is there software that makes it easier nowadays? Is there like what does that all consist of? Just, I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely curious. You pull it out of your ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 a sheer act of just masochistic will. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would. Yeah. Uh, Grant was working a part time job in the UWM library, and I was working for a nonprofit. We didn't. We yeah. We had nothing. Uh, and we shouldn't have made this movie, um, no, at all. If we were wise, I no. I mean, I was. It's, I literally a big part part of this movie was just funded by me renovating bathrooms. Like specifically, I think during the course of this movie, I think I renovated ten bathrooms to pay for it. Um, <laughs> so it's just it's I just trans, you know. I turned toilet trash into into something into so. art. <laughs> you turned you turned quite literally turned shit into gold. That's well. That, that shows passion. That shows drive. I think. I think that that that'll come through in the in the film. That you know how much how much you know you sacrificed to do this. Uh, that being said, though, you know there are the te technical aspects that you still have to follow in this general rule of film. How much of of that was you know malleable and you could bend to your own creative design other than things that you you don't you don't want to throw a left hook to a general audience and make them think that this is some kind of slow art house out excuse me art house picture that's an experimental film uh what was your audience goal or were you looking to try to get into the you know make a name for yourself business and get into Milwaukee Film Festival as a as a a top contender or are you trying to do something more unique and different where do you fall in the you know, are you going to be Academy Award nominated? Is it is this no. Oscar bait? No, no, never. <laughs> Not going to happen. Um, it's a big, expensive proof of concept, maybe that we can make a feature. Yeah, um, and the thing is, going into yeah. it, like we don't really have any kind of intentions like that. The only intention is to like, it's like feature is if you haven't done it, like he's done it a couple times, but it's been. Like one was a student level. Yeah, a student level. Like one was his high yeah. school senior project. One was his, you know, um, college senior project. So this is like their first real like high production, high production. We're going to make a movie and it's still like super indie level yeah. type stuff. But going into it, it's 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 more like, OK, the, the feature film is this abstract concept where you just kind of have to like do it at a certain point. There's only so much that can compare prepare you for it besides actually doing it and when you're in it you're not you're thinking we how are we going to get this done mm -hmm. and that's kind of about it i don't know like yeah it's more like warfare um, yeah it's like it's like prepping and fighting for a battle i mean and you're like a general trying to just like <laughs> all right we have we have these people here we have these people here we have these people here we have access to this field and this place and yeah we have to meet x goal how can we make that happen <laughs> not making it happen is not an option at this point dig in and do yeah, it yeah well that 
that that that's another thing too that comes to mind is it, it would be it's so easy for me to sit down and and during you know my full time job and busy week I can write a script over the course of five months I can write something yeah. I write all the time I I love writing putting that into practice and making it a production when it comes to casting and principal photography and getting locations and all that stuff, how, how do you go about doing that? Is it just about who you know and the connections that you have and just you make that work to your story? Or is it, do you put yourself out there and just go to some random farm and say, hey, I want to use your scotch tension? Uh, it, it's both of those things. Um, the, the people you know, it's definitely, definitely part of it. But like anything in the world, once you... It's just people follow the flow of momentum. So if if you're crazy enough to push a big rock up a hill, other idiots will follow you up the hill and help you push it for some reason. And that's that's not to call our team like idiots. No, but not. With assembling the team is is probably the most important part of making it. Because if you have yeah. the wrong people around you, or it if you have work. people that you know just not in it, like. Yeah, it's not going to happen. It's not going to get done or it's going to it's going to be a nightmare more than it needs to be. Um, and the first people like we brought onto this, we knew where it was casting. So like casting for us, it, it was it was a combination of putting out random Craigslist ads for random people to come Just in and audition. Amazing. And it's an amazing way to find people. Yeah, it actually is. Yeah, we we found some really incredible people. Actually, um, Dan Bell, who uh -huh. plays uh, the Apaca farmer in the movie, um, Paul. Mm -hmm. He we found him through Craigslist, and he came in, and he just he kind of blew us away. Like we weren't even like auditioning that part yet, and he came in and was like, "I want to be part of this. I'm going to do whatever." And he's he's got an associate producer credit on the movie. He found us like half of our locations. He found us a bunch of extras. It was amazing. Yeah, he's a rock star. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like um, our main cast, um, Erica Sorensen, who plays M. I had worked with her on a couple other sets. I had seen her in some local stuff, and I just thought she was one of the best actresses I had seen, period. She just happened to be at like a local level. And at that point, I was like, hey, you want to audition for this? And she did, and she got the part because she was mm -hmm. fantastic. She was perfect. Um, and uh, Logan... Is another person I had worked with on a couple projects. I had seen him in some local stuff. He had never done anything at this level. Like Erica had been in a couple local features, but Logan had been maybe in a couple shorts. One of them he was the lead of, and he's just kind of this up and coming talent. And I hope he gets some recognition for this performance, which is really incredible. But that was just another thing where it's like, hey, you want to come in an audition? I'm like, Sam, you should see this guy. He's not your like typical like leading man type look but he just has that like mm -hmm. depth and emotion that we wanted for the character yeah and we did i mean we did weeks and weeks and weeks of auditions yeah uh, where you just set up times people come in and, and you would read with them and f you know feel it out we were like operating it out of your nonprofit like headquarters though like we don't have like a production office yeah, after hours or, or like we'd have people come over to our houses and that's like a like you try doing that in hollywood now like you can't ask like actresses to come to your house and audition that's like creepy and weird but that's just kind of what you got to do at a local level you get them to show up at a at a food pantry headquarters and yeah. read some lines for you like yeah did did you ha did you have any reservations of using craigslist 
No, we've used it before. It's we've a, used it, it before. I've n- <laughs> I've never had a bad experience on Craigslist. I'm gonna be honest. I, I okay. I bought stuff on Craigslist. It's been it's been great. Uh, you get characters. You get more interesting people. Yeah. You're casting a wider net for sure, but you get some some gems. Yeah, diamonds in the rough. Did I don't I don't I don't mean to get in the business side of it, but but how do you entice someone to come audition for a small independent film that has very little funding other than just self self funding? Do you do you just help, tell them that hey, this is a small project to help you build your own portfolio? Is that is that the the sales point for them, or or what do you what, what's that process look like? There's a lot of people that are aspiring actors. I mean, everywhere. There's a lot of people that are hidden talents everywhere, and they're always just kind of looking for something substantial that they can really bite their teeth into and 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 become a part of and. Uh, so if you if you come forward with hey we're making a feature and it's actually you know we're actually gonna ha- make it um people people are interested yeah you, you you it like he said it's like if you can come in with enough enthusiasm to say we're gonna push this rock up this hill and it's gonna be amazing and you can sell that and you can just like totally go in like I, we know what we're doing we're gonna make it happen people respond to that it's 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 that passion that I think. I think we brought and um, people responded to and we assembled equally incredibly talented and passionate people to come on and do the same thing. Cause I mean, the, I'll mention three other people that we brought on, not on the cast side, but who without them, this movie would not have been possible. Um, I think one of the first people I contacted was um, our other co-producer. He wasn't brought on as a producer, but just through the sheer amount of work he did on the movie, he got that credit. And that's uh, Andrew Harrington. And uh, I, I asked him to just come on as an assistant director because I had done some just assistant directing for like local shorts and music videos the year prior. And I just knew how important that person was going to be to like have on and like especially us having very little experience with like this big of a crew and this big of production. We just needed someone who had that kind of experience. And he's one of the best people I've worked with. And he is easily one of probably the most important person that we had on our set at all times. Um, yeah. And then the second person we brought on who also happens to be Andrew's, he was his roommate at the time and they like knew each other all through college and they're like probably great friends, probably best friends. I don't want to speak for them, but um, our director of photography uh Derek Schmidt and I can explain these roles too for people who don't understand like know what what these roles are but basically the director of photography is the guy who sets up the camera sets up the lights and is just in charge of the general look of the movie like people might think that's what the directors do but no we just kind of guide what we want the vision to be and like what how the scene's going to play out and then we collaborate with these people and we're like all right how where we're going to set the camera is it going to move like this? Um, how are they going to move in the frame in relation to the camera? And it's just, it's a lot of conversations that go into that. But um, yeah, Derek Schmidt, incredibly, incredibly important presence. He actually also came on in post-production and did the color correction on the movie. Um, Helped well, us with some tech issues and yeah, times no, he's, of crisis. Yeah, so, <laughs> but he's just a really great dude as well. And he's easily one of the most talented dps in our area and 
one of the most talented people I've ever worked with. And I think yeah, he's got he's got an amazing eye. He's got a bright future ahead yeah. of him, absolutely. Um and then the third the who you have met before is uh, Austin Rogers, who was with I was living with him when I started writing the script, and so he just was with me through all my writers' <laughs> neuroses and read drafts, and I would read him off scenes, and he'd be like, "No, that sucks," or I'd be like, "Hey, how should this play out?" And he'd be like, "Oh, maybe this." And um, he was an incredible asset. And then he came on as our um, we we didn't know what role he was going to be in. We're just like, "We got to have you on set, Austin, doing something." And he ended up being our ses- second assistant director, which is also one of the hardest jobs on a film set. But yeah, that uh, he was great in that as well. So. Well, I yeah, just quick quick pause and shout out for Austin Rogers. I uh, well, Grant, you and I went and got a beer with him before he moved to New York, yeah. and then I inevitably moved to the East Coast as well. So, uh, pending COVID, I, I him and I have been coordinating here and there, and I can't wait to see him. So, if you're listening, buddy, I can't wait to come up and spend some time in New York and 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 see the sights. But right now, uh, New York is kind of a hotbed. So, although it's getting better, yeah. Well, Wisconsin's kind of a hotbed now too, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, uh, I'm just gonna start wearing a hazmat suit everywhere I go. Right. <laughs> but no. So, uh, what? <laughs> before we dig- digress into the horribleness, stay on the escapism <laughs> track. <laughs> uh, what? What? What do you do uh, with? You know, when you start filming and and get actors to locations, how? how describe the process in in, in getting. You know, you don't go from point A to point B to point C to point D. You do what's, you know, what what works best or what's most efficient. I know sometimes it doesn't play out in the way that you want it to, but, you know, how how do you go about that? Especially being, I don't want to say novice, but new to a feature film work for sure. But but you, know, you guys have made stuff. You know how to work a camera. You know how to direct things. You know how to produce things and, and write things and edit things. But what what was the biggest learning curve for making a longer version that required a myriad of scenes that yeah. had bunch of different elements going on you know yeah i i've made i've made two other features uh two other student features but features so i've done things of this kind of scale before uh so i wasn't daunted by the scale um i have never worked within like the official kind of format of making a movie uh just like in terms of like crew setup like crew setup he, logistical setup you've always been a little more run and gun yeah like, like my senior project in high school or in college was we just went up we went up to the woods with 20 dudes and just shot a movie yeah we had like four or five cameras going at once we just kind of and we were just running through we didn't through have a jungle, script yeah you know? we were just kind of winging it yeah, yeah. Just completely <laughs> unhinged yeah um so the biggest learning curve for me was walking on a set the first day and realizing, oh, me making some snapped erratic decision to change the shot to something else means two, three, four hours of logistical movement to make that happen. So yeah. I'm like, all right, I need to re reorient. Uh, yeah. So it, it's it's finding that balance of like, I think for us, we we struck a balance where it's it's kind of like, pure chaos mixed with like i don't know like classical filmmaking storytelling and and that was the learning curve of just like finding our voice and being able to communicate with all our crew and cast at this scale so yeah like this i guess i mean i'd worked with him on a feature his senior project in in college too and yeah the the scale i don't know it's it's more of an endurance test really it's just like you're shooting more days 
for a longer period of time. Mm -hmm. And that's really the only difference. And I think there's a lot of people who who struggle to get over that hump where it's just like, okay, we're doing this for three weeks and we're going to have two off days the whole time. I think we started with three, but we lost one of them because we just had to shoot that day. We just, it's like, we have no choice. We got to get this done. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah. And then, yeah, just um, co-directing. Like, I don't think we've ever, we've, worked together on projects but we never were like officially in like director director role so that was a bit of a learning curve too where it's like yeah who's communicating what and when and yeah yeah, finding a like we always had a common vision about like what we want the movie to look like but day to day that can be a struggle but it can also produce some really interesting results i guess um, when it comes to just directing performance and yeah. camera and how the scene plays out and blocking and everything like that. Um, yeah. And we initially had kind of uh, the way we had thought we were going to delegate it, our, our kind of our roles on it because Grant had more kind of onset experience uh, in, in more, a more formal uh, like setting. And uh, I had more kind of just director experience. So we thought, you know, I'm going to work with the actors. Grant's going to kind of communicate and coordinate with the crew and everything. We're going to bring it all together. And then when we got there, that kind of flipped around. Flipped completely, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and I I ended up doing more of the technical art stuff and Grant ended up doing more of the uh, rehearsal character stuff. Yeah. um, Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I don't know exactly why that happened, but it just kind of did. Yeah, I don't know. You get into it and things go out the window. Like, And that's the thing about... Before you end up producing, like actually in production, which is the shots day to day, like you're playing out things in front of the camera, you do what's called pre-production. And that's the step that comes in between writing and shooting, which is you assemble your team, you plan out your schedule, um, you get um, all the the props and, and costumes and stuff that you need. And that's just like, OK, here's our here's our plan about how things are going to go down. And you do that as much as possible in advance. So when you get on set, which is just pure chaos most of the time, you can fall back on something when everything kind of goes out the window, which inevitably it does. Um, so, and I think that's, well, that, that's a common theme with movies in general. Sorry, go ahead. No, that, that actually brings me to what I was going to kind of bring, bring up next is, is how many audibles did you guys have to go through for when you're on set? I know you said you re- rewrote a couple of things, but I mean, I can imagine when you're, you know, pen to paper is one thing but putting the practice is another thing so when you're yeah. when you're up there as the directors in your director chair with your old style megaphone um <laughs> i don't <laughs> do you guys wear berets and shout into a microphone oh yeah absolutely like uh, oh yeah like joel Sh- joel schumacher yeah. style oh yeah or yeah. that's <laughs> more like george lucas we just kind of sit and we did everything in front of the green screen that's that's who we model ourselves after yeah oh man well but how 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 flexible do you have to be and how much flexibility did you have to learn uh, going into this? Because I'm sure, you know, you kind of have this rigid idea of your baby that you had on paper that you've discussed for how many months. And then you go and put it into practice with these actors who also bring uh, a, a, a potpourri of different flavors and, and perspectives and things. I'm sure they even had input or, or feedback on you on a certain scene. So how do you mesh all that together? What what did what does it take? Um, I mean, I just yeah. things changing on the day 
is just a part of that collaborative process that I think is probably one of the most rewarding parts of making a movie. Mm-hmm. You mentioned just, yeah, like actors bring their own ideas of how they're going to like play a scene. And like that is probably the most fun part of movie making for me is just here's this thing I wrote and I have it imagined in my head, but then I give it to these like incredibly talented people who are going to have the courage to stand in front of like, up like 10 people and, and read it out loud and put their heart and soul into it. And they, they do have ideas and then you can kind of discuss that and just, you can push it in a direction that feels right on the day. Um, and you never know when you, until you get to like the editing process, what, whether that was the right decision or not, you're just kind of acting on instinct a little bit. Um, but that just doesn't go for actors either. That goes for like all the crew people. Like sometimes you, you can be in a moment where you're like, I, I don't know what the right move is. And I'll turn to the person who has more experience or who the person who I know has had ideas and be like, Hey, what do you think? And they'll come up with something. I'd be like, yeah, that sounds great. Let's, let's try that out. And it kind of, that comes with a certain amount of courage too, to being able to like say that, okay, I don't have all the answers here and I have really talented people around me who are going to bring something. And that's actually one of the most rewarding parts of being like working with another director too. Cause one of us could have a horrible off day and we can kind of turn to the other one and say, Hey, I'm not in it today. You kind of have to like take over a few things. Yeah. And we both called that audible yeah. multiple times. No, so that, that's the benefit of having a, having a co-director. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. What, what, um, when, when you're, when you're filming, you know, these big budget movies have, the, the capacity to, to take all of the different takes and alternate takes and alternate ways, you know, alter, alternate inflections on words just to try it out with your – were you restri- restricted in what you could play with because of just time and, 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 and resources and what you had? Did you feel like that restricted your art – your artistic style or do you, were you able to power through that or you knew that going into it so you were able to work around that p- potential hindrance? Uh I don't know. You, you know it going into it. You know what resources you have walking into yeah. into it. There's always compromise. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's a race against the clock each day. And like you said, we don't have the resources to like we didn't really ever go back and reshoot a scene because we don't have the luxury of being able to reassemble all these actors and make mm-hmm. them look exactly the same a year later and get the same location again. Like it's just like, all right, we have sure. this location today with these people this is the time we have to shoot this. If we're running out of time, we got to make a compromise and do it in a way we know we can get it done. Um, and we never really had to like cut. I mean, we've probably had to like cut like shots. Like you always kind of like, okay, this is going into our day. Here's the the list of shots we want to get. Yeah. And then you get through it and you go, like, okay, it took three hours to get the first two shots. Um, that's not going to work. Yeah, no. So you got to readjust or pick up strategy. the pace, reprioritize what, what's important for the scene and what you need to get. And yep. that's also just kind of an instinctual thing. And thankfully, since we're both like editors, we know pretty well like shots we need and shots that are probably just filler. We don't really need them for the edit to work. Um, but then you also get to the editing process and you're like, oh, God. We had the time. Why didn't we just get that thing? Uh-huh. Like, why didn't we just do this one thing on the day? And that's another like learning experience where it's like, all right, the next one we know 
we have the time. Get this thing. If we you have, have the- a feeling or, or, <laughs> or if your AD, Andrew Harrington, says, hey, you, you want this shot? You should listen to him because you're going to want it later. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Let's say, no, I don't think we need that. And then move on. You're like, you get to editing like, oh, shit. Guarantee you said on the day. Yeah. <laughs> do you do you take multiple takes and how, how how many how many times do actors like flub a line or or they get yeah. maybe they get I don't want to say camera shy but you know we all have those little nervous ticks where it's like ah shit I want to redo that yeah that's that's uh, what did you try to did, did you try to restrict that to make certain that you were able to go forward or did you want to let them have the space to be comfortable and 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 produce a good quality performance yeah I mean generally you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's that's normal. Like you, you want there's some like filmmakers out there who want like precision, like word for word from the scripts. Mm-hmm. People who are like, oh, you got to have everything memorized to the line, and people who also want to do like fifty takes of a scene, which is just obscene. Like I don't think that's necessary, really, unless you're doing some like really intricate, specific shot that has to be like exactly right. And if you have the patience to do that by all means and the means to do that do it but we didn't ever go over like 10 takes for a scene if that i think the max number we did for a scene was probably like 12 or 13 um which is pushing it like you get to take 13 you're like all right well if we don't have it with 13 times of this person saying the same thing then yeah we're we're doing something wrong we gotta like readjust something people get fatigued too yeah fatigue sets in pretty quick especially on a a set where they people don't have trailers they don't have like the deluxe craft craft services table they got like goldfish crackers and fruit (laughs) snacks sitting in the middle of a field while like swarms of mosquitoes are eating you alive like yeah or it's the middle of winter and it's it's ne- negative ten degrees outside and you're in a shack gathered around one space heater, freezing cold. Like yeah, no, you 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 can't you can't be um, David Fincher on a film like this and and demand perfection. You mm-hmm. you and we, a part of our style I think is just embracing the the kind of the rough around the edges. Like it it, it adds some realism. To certain things and letting actors yeah. play with the lines and if something doesn't sound like as awkward like as written i'll be like yeah change it like i don't want it i'd rather it sound natural and, and right in the moment than you trying struggling to say this like weird thing that i wrote on a page that doesn't work when you speak it you know mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah well t- t- tell me about i i, I I know I watched that. Uh, we did the Q and A at uh, I forget where that was in Milwaukee downtown. Um, but you know, we we did the the rough the I keep saying I want I want to say rough trap. I know you said it was yeah. a, a work in progress screening, and you know from from there forward, you know when when did filming wrap up? When when did you know when did you have that work in progress screening? And and what was the feedback that you got that you really took to heart that was that really influenced how you went forward in the film? And then from there on, now it was over a year of time where you are really nose to the grindstone editing this project. You know what what made that? You know what 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 was the real bread and butter of that situation and that progress or uh, procession? I guess. <laughs> how long was it after that i mean we, we we probably spent a year after that yeah we uh re-editing it so so filming itself took a year we shot in three yeah. chunks over the course of one year 
40 days of shooting. Yeah, 40 total shoot days, which is kind of unheard of at our budget level too. It's like, way too many. It's yeah, it's it's unnecessary, but it does afford you the luxury of having some time in your day and and you're not doing consistent like 15 16 hour days like every day like that would just kill people but that would be more of like a sprint than like an endurance test you know like it's just that it, it's just it's unsustainable at a certain amount of time but um after that yeah we um we took probably a little under a year editing and that's where you saw the work in progress screening um and then from there that was may of 2019 um the feedback we got was really incredible like it was one of the most valuable things about watching a, an edit in an environment like that where you have a group of people who have never seen the movie before is you can you get a, a very intense demonstration of how the movie is playing mm -hmm. Um, just sitting in the audience, knowing when there's like, it's dead silent because people are bored or it's dead silent because people are engaged, yeah. um, are and very feel dis it. distinct feelings <laughs> and you can sense it when you're sitting in a crowd. It's really painful. Yeah. yeah. It's the, one of the most painful things ever. Yeah. But it, it helps you get out of this. Like, this is the room we cut this movie in and we were just, we're two people in a room together mm. editing this thing. And then you put it in front of an audience and you get a better sense of how it's playing and what's working what's moving too slow what's unclear and then that comes from the feedback too and so from there it was another when we hit picture lock J january 2020 mm -hmm. so just maybe like half a year a little over half a year um we recut everything down we we reach we the first half got a lot shorter we just really truncated it made it flow a lot better the first 30 minutes is the best it's ever been by far and it just i think it's the most engaging version of what it could be and then clarifying certain things because like you know how the the, the structure is it, it kind of does some pretty big shifts throughout like you're mm -hmm. suddenly in one spot and then it's like oh it's now it's winter and and things are completely different and it's it's a pretty big jump for an audience to make especially if you don't give them certain clues or like mm -hmm. you know like a title that we ended up putting in because it just clarifies things like this is one year later. All right, go. And that just answers some questions. So the audience don't have to like sit there and like, okay, I don't know when or what this is right now. Um, right. And so, yeah, it's just shifting things, making things shorter and having them play better. And all in all from that cut, we cut out probably a solid 25 minutes. Um, so now it's running an hour and 37 minutes, um, which is, I don't know. I think it's, it's, it's good. I'm excited for people yeah. to see it. I don't know. What do you, uh, do you find yourself trying to force your vision without having, uh, to tailor yourself to the movie or the creative vision to the audience's needs or desires? Or do you think that that's kind of a, a tightrope walk that you have to play to make sure that you're getting your vision across, but also not, just kowtowing to the the audience that they want. I want a date on the screen. Why is it here now? Yeah. So how do you play that line? It's a tightrope walk. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Because you're trying to hold your audience's attention. And that's a that's a delicate thing. And 
the fact that people are giving their attention to you is, I mean, it's a privilege that they're watching it. Uh, so I, I, I think a lot of art, art movies uh, waste their audience's attention and kind of squander it and take advantage of it. And it's kind of disrespectful in a way. Uh, so you're trying to balance it. You're trying to say, uh, walk with me. You know, and I'm going to give you something back. It's not going to be an abusive relationship here. Uh, <laughs> but you never know. I mean, you're trying to you're trying to walk. Yeah, it's a tightrope walk. Yeah. Well, I guess th th let's let's wrap up with just a couple more things. One thing from each of you that you wish you had known going into this entire uh, four year project and. Uh, I will start there. So one one thing you wish you knew before you went in. Uh, oh no, we're going dead air. Oh, I don't even know. I I don't think there's one. Th if I would have known what the production would have looked like, I would not have made it. Just to be complete, <laughs> okay. to to be brutally honest, uh, it was it it was so painful to to make this and uh you know you get to the end of it and you're a different person than you were at the at the start of it so you're like why did i make this i i'm not i'm not the person who who initiated this thing but i'm like i'm subject to it because i got this giant ball rolling and now i have to keep 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 i have to finish it now and you're not the same person you were when you started it um uh so i it's good i didn't know the one thing i needed i don't know it's good i didn't know because i wouldn't have made it then yeah no i i, I echo it i got that too because like we have we we can we that conversation we had started having four years ago like it's it's still going and still evolving and even though we're on the other side of it and we say if i had known going in i no not never i would not do it again <laughs> Meanwhile, we're already like, all right, so what are we going to do next? <laughs> like, we're insane. Like, we're insane people. Like, I, it's. Yeah, there's yeah. So, so many times during this where I, I was talking to my wife. I'm like, I'll never make a movie ever again in my life. Uh, I probably said that a thousand times while making this movie. I'm like, this is stupid and terrible. Uh, but I'm going to make a movie again for sure. Yeah. Know. Well, and now how, how, how good does it feel though, that now it's done, oh my you're God. on the other side of it uh, and you can, you can put this in your resume and in your tool belt as a thing that you did complete. I haven't processed it yet. It's weird. Cause it hasn't really shown to the audience that we've been making it for, like in its final form yet. Like right as we're talking now, like people will see this and might've already watched it. I hope right. you guys do watch it. And that's wonderful. If you do like take time out of your day to watch this thing that two insane people from Milwaukee, like <laughs> dedicated way too much time to do. Um, but it's not just us that put time into this. It's, it's just like, you'll see the so credits at the end. Like so many people came together and made this thing happen. And that's, that's the most rewarding part of it, I think. So I haven't quite processed how it feels yet to be done with it just finishing a movie in any form is i think some kind of miracle like i i any any movie you see ever even if it's like terrible terrible there was still like an 
somebody died to make that happen. Yeah, somebody, and, somebody yeah. went through a lot of pain. Someone literally cut a piece of themselves out to make that thing happen. Yeah, so, it's, yeah. Yeah, even the shittiest movie is like a is a work of of such tremendous will. Yeah, it's uh, it's truly like the tip of the iceberg because like the majority of the movies that get made never get done. Like people don't finish them, so that does it is something at the end of the day. I don't know if it's 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 good, but it took a toll to say the least. <laughs> Well, I think this actually might be interesting because obviously this this is going to be releasing after the movie has been shown or will be seen. So and this might be an interesting for you guys to come back and, and listen to you your reactions and before processing this and, and, and then just kind of have a, a, a reflective like, oh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm glad I have this now. But so regardless, uh, one what's one thing that like that? What's the ultimate thing that you learned from this experience that you will use going forward? What's the what's the biggest addition to your tool belt from this experience? Um, I'm trying to put this in a way that sounds like a good thing. <laughs> uh, um, there's 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 a there's a certain. I think when any anytime you like as an artist you make any kind of art like you put a certain amount of yourself into it but i i've learned that there's also a very important separation that needs to happen between like your personal life and your art um and that's just to like so you don't kill yourself while making this thing like you just you just think of any artist ever who ended up crazy in their room scrawling murals on the wall like yeah. well i think we're both more sympathetic to that too yes at the moment. yeah mean, it's like <laughs> we we i i came out of this with physical damage uh you know um i think this this movie gave me like a chronic disease i uh, literally <laughs> you know i came out of it diminished and uh damaged uh just just from the stress of it uh yeah and and i would i would wager that we're not the only ones who who put a piece of ourselves into this thing which like i i don't know if we can ever like properly and that's just another reason just to finish the thing because it's like it's like the least you can do to like repay all the the just the shit that's that people have put into it and and sacrificed and and just time and and energy and well-being like um, so that that yeah, it's it's an important thing to to be able to to make your art, but also just like you know, like you have things you still have to take care of too. Like you can't just disappear into a, a black hole of of again, yeah, painting insanity yeah. on the walls. <laughs> yeah, but I think we learned a lot. I I mean, I think we learned how to make a movie. Yeah, we we yeah. At the end of the day, yeah. Like, well, hey, I mean. I, I know because I've known you guys throughout this process. And of, of course, Grant and I, you, you, you and I have talked quite a bit through this process. And I, I've been so interested to see where this goes. And it, it's, a, it's a massive, you know, from the deep depths of my heart, congratulations. I know it, it was a, a stressful, crazy time. And I, I'm, I'm very 
admiring of the fact that you did finish this to completion. You you did pursue this. You did you persevered through all the shit and you made this movie happen. And it's out. It's gonna happen. And uh, I'm excited for people to see it. I'm excited for this to go out in the in the, in the airwaves and maybe get a couple of people that would not have known about it prior. Uh, so I'm gonna let you guys sound off on again uh, Scotch Tension. Give a little quick short snippet of what it is, where to find it, and uh, maybe just give a couple of socials or, or where to go for your own personal pages where things could be found. And especially if they're interested in what you're doing down the pipe pipeline or, or if they want any information on, you know, your creative portfolio. Um, yeah. So it is scotch tension. Um, it will be streaming through Milwaukee films website, mkefilm.org as a part of the 2020 Milwaukee film festival. Um, you can go on, um, search scotch tension. There's a, Get ticket button. I think it's uh, just eight dollars um, for a virtual ticket. Uh, if you happen to be a Milwaukee Film member, uh, it is only five dollars. Um, you can find uh, our Facebook is a great place to find a lot of the information and links to. That's Facebook.com/scotchtensionfilm. Um, my wonderful girlfriend uh, Shannon McInnes is running that page, and she had she just made a whole breakdown to how to watch it virtually all the apps you might need and multiple ways you can you can make it happen because yeah unfortunately we can't do an in-person screening this year but hopefully sometime in the near future we can get everybody back in a theater and and watching this uh this thing so Absolutely. And I, I will, I will, of course, put the, all the socials and whatnot. I mean, Grant, you're helping make the podcast. So you're going to help me put all the, all the, all the stuff and information <laughs> in the podcast. Uh, so uh, Sam, Grant, thank you so much. Congratulations. I can't wait to see it in its final form. I can't wait to share it with all my friends and family. Uh, I guess any parting words for any future filmmaker? Should they, should they not do it or should they do it? Um, <laughs> if you're brave, do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You should do it. Um, well, thanks for having us on, Alan. This is, yeah. this is wonderful. I uh, appreciate you yeah. giving us the time to, uh, to, to share it and hopefully people will go out and watch it. We would really appreciate it. And feedback is always welcome too. Even if you like hate it, well, I'd, I'd love to hear it. Um, be gentle maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's got a great soundtrack. Yes. Uh, it's so just if nothing else just watch it watch the pretty images listen to listen to the beautiful music and uh yeah we did a live orchestrated score socially distanced so mm -hmm. you can listen to that that was a that's a fun little thing but yeah no um yeah that, that's about it sweet <laughs> sweet well hey you're, you guys are being modest i'm sure it's awesome and i can't wait to uh to see it i know we'll talk about it more so uh cheers guys Thank you for joining the Coken Conversation and uh, go see Scotch Tension, everyone. I will share it around. Thank you for joining the Coken Conversation. Be sure to like, share, and follow us on all social media platforms. This podcast is available in video form on Facebook and YouTube and audio on all platforms where podcasts are supported. Please consider supporting us on Patreon. Just a few bucks a month can really help us grow. Visit us online at www.thekokenconvo.com for more details.